February 10, 2013, Pope Benedict XVI issued a declaratio, which stated, I declare that I renounce the ministry of Bishop of Rome, successor of St. Peter, entrusted to me by the cardinals on 19th April, 2005, in such a way that as from 28th February, 2013, at 2000 hours, the See of Rome, the See of St. Peter, will be vacant and a conclave to elect the new Supreme Pontiff will have to be convoked. The bombshell announcement took many outside of the Vatican by surprise. Speculation immediately arose regarding the Pope's decision. Commentators began to point out that no Pope had resigned the office since Pope St. Celestine V over 700 years earlier. Which raises the question, who is Pope Celestine V? The answer to that question is the subject of this episode of Catholic History Trek, being released on December 13th, the anniversary of his resignation. God bless America. God love you. I want these to be my first words of greeting to you. They will be the concluding words on each broadcast. I am not the Catholic candidate for president. I am the Democratic Party's candidate for president. Annuncio opis. You've embarked on a Catholic history trek. In twelve fifteen, Pietro was born into a poor family in a Neapolitan province in the eastern coast of Italy. At the age of 17, he joined the Benedictines and was eventually ordained a priest. Seeking the isolation of a hermit, Pietro retreated to the wilderness of Mount Marone, choosing to live in a cave. This new residence led to him being called Pietro de Marone. A few years later, he ventured deeper into the wilds, settling at Mount Magella, where he modeled his ascetical life after St. John the Baptist. His clothing was of rough, knotted hair cloth, and he wore an iron chain around his waist. He fasted every day except Sunday and added to his daily fasting additional fasting and abstinence equivalent to four Lents throughout the year. And this was the more rigorous Lenten fasting from the old days, not the modern lax version. See our episode on fasting for more on the changes of Lenten fasting throughout the centuries. At this point, Pietro could have easily disappeared into obscurity as a holy man completely forgotten to history. But if you heard our Catholic History Trek episode on the history of Anchorites and Stylites, episode 25, you may recall that holiness seems to attract others. The same was true with Pietro. Disciples sought him out at Mount Magella, which turned into a monastic community. This community, later named the Celestines, rapidly expanded with dozens of monasteries and hundreds of professed religious. These Celestines, who lasted into the 18th century, are not to be confused with a much shorter-lived contemporary group of Franciscan hermits, also called the Celestines, or by their longer title, the Poor Hermits of Lord Celestine. Pietro's ascetical life in the wilderness was not only interrupted by those who wished to follow his model of holiness, but in July of 1294, it was interrupted by a large band of cardinals, monks, and laymen. Pietro had surprisingly been elected as the next pope. 27 months before this massive humanity converged on Pietro, Pope Nicholas IV had died, and in the 27 months since the Pope's passing, the Church had gone without a successor. 
At the time of the Pope's death in 1292, the Holy Roman Empire, especially northern Italy, had been divided into a pair of warring factions who had been at odds with each other for nearly two centuries. The struggle waged between the Guelphs, loyal to the papacy, and the Ghibellines, loyal to the German kings, had caused division in the Holy Roman Empire, in Italy, in Rome, and in the papal conclave. The powerful feuding Orsini and Colonna families of Rome each had members of the conclave, and for 27 months, the papal election remained stalled, as neither side could outvote the other. It was the second such deadlock in recent memory, as just two decades earlier, a 33-month interregnum spanned the death of Pope Clement IV to the election of Pope Gregory X. External pressure finally forced the cardinals to do something, so they decided to select the elderly holy monk at Magella to become the next pope, since neither of the two factions of cardinals was able to place one of their own on the seat of St. Peter, they opted to select a candidate whose holy reputation would make him a popular choice with the people, and whose advanced age and complete lack of political experience would make him easily pliable to the scheming of the cardinals. So in July of 1294, when the large group of cardinals, monks, and laymen intruded upon Pietro's sanctuary, Pietro reluctantly accepted the papal appointment as the will of God. He descended from his simple abode on the mountain and took the name Pope Celestine V. From the very beginning, he was clearly out of his element, and problems began on the very first day. He chose a hasty coronation at Aquila instead of traveling to Rome, so he had to be crowned a second time since all the cardinals were not present at the first coronation. Pope Celestine V was unprepared for the political scheming of both secular and ecclesial leaders, and unwittingly caused a lot of problems for the church during what turned out to be a very short papacy, lasting less than half a year. He created new cardinals whose selection is said to have helped pave the way for both the Avignon papacy and the Western Schism and he frequently handed out the same office to multiple individuals. He rarely conferred with the cardinals, and the curia fell into disarray. His failures in leading the church were not for a lack of trying, though. In fact, he began to fear that the amount of time he was spending on his papal duties were placing his soul in danger for taking him away from his holy devotions and spiritual exercises. So, after only a few months in office, he began to contemplate resigning from the papacy, a papal resignation was such a rare thing, and so, this thought of resignation raised serious questions. Could a pope resign? And if so, to whom would he submit his resignation to? And where did this idea of resignation come from anyway? This is where things get interesting. If you're the type who likes to delve into 700-year-old conspiracies, the conspiracy theory version of the events unfolded as follows. The leading member of the Curia, Benedetto Cardinal Gaetani, arranged a deal with the other cardinals to be elected the next pope if he could get the difficult Celestine V out of the way. Cardinal Gaetani began whispering into the pope's ear, as it were, leading him towards resignation. When the question was raised of whether a pope could even resign, it fell upon the same Cardinal Gaetani, who is also a canon lawyer. Serving his own best interests, the cardinal decided a pope could resign and even wrote Pope Celestine's resignation letter for him. On December 13th, Celestine V resigned from the papacy, and after a brief one-day conclave, 
the cardinal was elected as the next pope, taking the name Pope Boniface VIII. And then as pope, he officially confirmed the resignation of Celestine, and to ensure no secular rulers tried to restore Celestine to power, making the newly elected Boniface an anti-pope, Boniface had Celestine arrested and confined in a tower at the castle of Fumone, where he died. So, are any elements of this conspiracy true? Parts of it certainly are. Cardinal Gaetani was a canon lawyer and was the one who decided Pope Celestine V could canonically resign. And it's believed it was this same cardinal who either wrote or at least edited the resignation which Celestine V submitted. And it was Gaetani who was elected after a one-day conclave, which was just a few months removed from a very long 27-month deadlock conclave. And he did take the name Pope Boniface VIII after being elected, and after quickly revoking much of what had been done during Celestine's papacy, Pope Boniface VIII detained the former pope, forcing Pietro to accompany him to Rome. Although Pietro sought to return to his life as a hermit, and with help, the 80-year-old former pope managed to escape from custody and returned to his hermitage at Magella. But this return to the aromatical life was to be short-lived. Pope Boniface VIII ordered his arrest. Pietro then spent a few months on the run before finally being captured while attempting to flee to Greece, when the ship he had boarded was forced back to Italy on account of a storm. And following his arrest, Pietro was confined in a narrow room in the tower of Fumone Castle, where he spent nine months in captivity and then died. While there's no solid proof that Pope Boniface VIII had Pietro killed, or that he manipulated Celestine into resigning, the series of events have led to speculation, dating back to the time of the resignation. When Pope Celestine V resigned, this decision was met with varied opinions and reactions throughout Christendom. This can be seen by the stark contrasts written about Celestine by two of the great writers of that era, Dante and Petrarch. In his treatise, The Solitary Life, Petrarch praises Celestine for his gesture, which he portrays as an act of a most lofty and free spirit. He esteems Celestine as a truly divine spirit who knew no impositions and returned from vain arguments to divine conversation. Dante, on the other hand, cast Pope Celestine V into hell. In Canto Three of Dante's Inferno, Virgil leads Dante through the antechamber of hell, where the first ring of sinners spend eternity. While passing through, Dante says, I saw and recognized the shade of him who due to cowardice made the great refusal. The great refusal was the resignation of Pope Celestine, which was later confirmed by Dante's son, Jacopo Allegari, in his commentary on Inferno. Dante's view of the resignation was likely affected by the fact that he and the new pope, Boniface VIII, were planted on opposite sides of the Guelph and Ghibelline controversy which is made abundantly clear by the fact that Dante also cast Pope Boniface VIII into hell, and to a much lower level than Celestine. Less than two decades after his death, Pietro was canonized a saint. So much for Dante putting him in hell. His remains are on display at the Basilica of Santa Maria de Colomaggio in L'Aquila, where his skull had been covered by a wax mask. But, as it turned out, this wax mask had been modeled to match the face of a former bishop of L'Aquila, and not the face 
of Pope Celestine V. So in 2013, a new silver mask was created using forensic techniques to digitally reconstruct the Pope's face based on his skull. And speaking of forensic and the Pope's skull, there is a hole in Pope Celestine's skull. The hole had led some to believe that he had been murdered, likely by agents of Pope Boniface VIII. But modern forensic science has suggested the small hole was not consistent with a perimortem injury, but rather appears to have been made postmortem or after his death. It's unknown why somebody put a hole in his head, but it does not appear to have been a cause of death. I suppose a couple important lessons from the life of Pope Celestine V would be don't get on Dante's bad side, and when the cardinals encourage you to resign from the papacy, think twice. Looking at the history of Pope Celestine V, it's difficult not to notice some of the similarities shared between him and Pope Benedict XVI. Both men were nearly 80 years old at the time of their elections. Neither was reportedly interested in being elected to the papacy. Both seemed to have been overwhelmed by the scheming of the cardinals. Both were replaced in very brief conclaves. And both men have been kept in something of a confinement within arm's reach of the man who replaced them. And conspiratorial speculation has surrounded each man's resignation. Something else that is within arm's reach or more likely, within a finger's reach, would be the buttons you can click to rate, review, and subscribe to our Catholic History Trek podcasts. Gloria Patri et Filio et Spiritui Sancto, Sicuturat in Principio et Nunc et Semper, et in Saecula Saeculorum. Amen. Thank you for listening to Catholic History Trek. You can reach us at catholichistorytrek at gmail.com.